everyone, I'm Yudiki, your host at Chicken Steam. This is a podcast where I interview 1,000 goals and 1,000 futures mentors and mentees. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Hi, Ramita. Okay. Hi, Ramita. Thanks for coming here. Can you give our listeners a quick introduction about yourself? Hi, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So um, as you said, my name is Armida and I'm currently a junior in high school from Toronto, Canada. Um, and I'm really interested in like finance and economics and education. So during this past year, I've become really involved in that um, entire realm. So in like the middle of 2020, I published my book, Roadmap to Financial Literacy, an introduction to personal finance for teenagers. And then later on, I started my organization, Empower Econ, um, which kind of extends on that and hosts um, events that provide more opportunities to learn throughout the year. Awesome. So before we get started with all of that, a very interview-esque question for you. Where do you see yourself in five years? That's a great question. I think for me, I kind of want to scale what I'm already doing. I think I kind of started out high school in a million different directions and I was doing a lot of different things. And then I kind of landed on like financial and economic education, which is something I'm really interested in. And so in the next five years, I really want to scale that. So um, increasing the amount of projects that I do and the involvement and the impact it has. And another thing that I'm also really interested in is like public speaking. So I want to be able to um, pursue more opportunities related to that. So basically just scaling what I'm doing right now. Great. Uh, you mentioned you wrote a book, Roadmap to Financial Literacy. Congratulations on that. That is such an amazing achievement for a teenager. Uh, now we'll sort of get into some questions about your book and how other high schoolers can publish a book. So first off, what inspired you to write the book? Uh, okay, so to begin, first, thank you for the comment. And for me, like writing a book is something I've wanted to do for like a really long time. I remember like I wanted to be like an author when I was in grade one. So it was something that was in the back of my mind, but I never like thought I would actually write a book anytime. But then when quarantine hit and there weren't like many things to do at home, I was like, this is the perfect time to um, do a project like that. So I decided that I wanted to write a book and that's kind of how that started. Awesome. So what did you write specifically about financial literacy? Okay, so that's high schoolers. Yeah, um, so that's a great question. For me, like, I didn't know that I was going to write a book about finance, because as I said, like, when I started high school and everything, I was, like, in a million different directions. But I just was going through life constantly thinking about, like, what topic can I write about? And I'm really interested in, like, writing nonfiction, which is why I knew I was going to do that. And um, I was thinking about um, different topics. So I was having a conversation with someone about finance and they were talking about like the difficulties of just understanding the subject, especially because they were an immigrant. And so I think for immigrants, it's even more difficult. And that's kind of when I had like the light bulb to like write it about finance, because I knew it's something that a lot of schools don't teach or they don't teach properly because they don't have like a full semester course on it. And so I knew that this would be a resource that would be able to help people in a way that maybe other subjects would not. So I thought like it would add something new to the field, which is when I started on it. And then I continued to pursue more projects because I'm really interested in it. Great. And the point about immigrants and financial literacy amongst them is so important. Um, And as you were talking about schools and how schools lack a financial literacy curriculum, would you like to sort of go more into that? Yeah, for sure. So I think that one problem that I see, like, for instance, in my own school is that we don't have like a required one semester personal finance course. 
Um, and a lot of like districts or schools or like states say that they have financial literacy in their curriculum, but it's not a one semester course. It's um, typically just a course that teaches you about career studies or something that's just related to like skills after high school. And they maybe incorporate like a unit or two on financial literacy, which lasts maybe two to three weeks. And that's just not enough to cover all of the different topics and kind of do it in a way that sticks and people gain experience with and can apply to their lives. So I think that um, as opposed to providing like a broad overview of like um, different topics, helping students like begin from one point and reach the end and be able to actually like apply those skills in their lives, I think is important. And it's something that a lot of schools lack while a lot of other ones are starting to implement. And I think that's really great to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So how do you think schools can sort of improve on having a better financial literacy curriculum? I think that one thing, um, and I know this organization in the US called Next Gen Personal Finance that I've worked with in the past and kind of what they do um, is they have a one semester personal finance course um, and they're the largest provider of it. And so what they do is they train the teachers before they start teaching because many of the teachers, when they do wanna start teaching, they don't have that knowledge. So I think providing that training for the teachers so that they can teach it effectively and then providing that like one semester to teach the content and giving assignments that help people Gain real life experience with those. So for instance, my school recently started a finance club and something that we're doing is we're holding a stock market competition. And kind of the end goal with that is by the end of it, students will be able to actually invest in the stock market. So creating those like hands-on experiences, maybe inside the classroom where teenagers can begin learning and then apply that knowledge and then be able to apply it in the real world, I think would be really beneficial. Oh yeah, that sounds like an amazing initiative. And now we're sort of gonna go more into writing a book, especially as a high schooler. So can you sort of take us through the process of how you can like start off with having an idea of a book and then ending up onto having an actual book? Yeah, for sure. So I think that for me, um, I kind of just started like a Google document and I started typing some information and it kind of transformed into a book a couple of months later. But to kind of go more in depth into that, I think I had like a clear idea of what the problem was and what I was trying to solve because um, there are like a lot of different books about finance out there. So what was going to be different about my book and what kind of like unique value it would provide. So I think like doing that market research and realizing like what the lack of the market was. So for me in that case, it was there weren't many financial literacy books that were catered towards youth specifically that were like giving an overview of different topics. Um, and so that's kind of what I tried to address um, with my book among many other problems that I saw. And so I think having an understanding of what you're trying to solve and then creating an, an idea for like how you're going to do it throughout your book. So for me, I thought it's going to be a short book. It's going to incorporate a lot of graphics. The explanations are going to be different. Um, and it's going to give an overview of um, essential personal finance topics for teenagers. So when I picked those essential topics, then I started to write under that. And I think something really important I'd mention about that is like, you're not gonna love your first draft. It's going to be very imperfect so you have to just like keep on writing with it and revising as you go as opposed to trying to like create a masterpiece from the beginning. Awesome yeah that is some great advice and um, could you sort of explain how you after writing the book what were the steps to publishing it? Yes 
So for me, I went with the self-publishing route, which I think like self-publishing is a very easy way to do it because um, you don't need to actually go with an like traditional publisher. You can do it independently. So I used Amazon KDP and there are a lot of different platforms out there, um, but because I knew like Amazon is the most common, that's why I picked that. But if you do a lot of research on the different self-publishing platforms, you can find that. And if you want to go with a traditional publisher, um, that's also a good idea. It may take like a long time to find one and there is going to be like a much longer process. And I kind of wanted to do my own thing, which is why I decided to self-publish instead. Oh, okay. That's really helpful. And you mentioned that you have a nonprofit called Empower Econ that you started after you sort of finished up with the book. So would you like to go more into detail about that? Yeah, sure. I'd love to talk about Empower Econ. So I had the idea to start Empower Econ after I did kind of like um, a two-week computer science program called Code with Classy. Thought it was like a really fun experience and I loved how they were able to bring together people from like different countries and different states and make them so excited about learning this like challenging topic for the first time so I kind of wanted to create that like similar impact and I remember like saying that to myself during the program so when I was thinking about like what topics I could do I knew I had done this work in financial literacy and so I decided to create a camp that would provide like more of an ongoing experience throughout the year um, which is why I had the idea to do that. Awesome so um, what are some things that you've done that you're proud of? You told me that you started a, a couple of camps and I've been a part of one too um, inside Empower Econ. So mm -hmm. will you tell us about some other initiatives you have held over there? Yeah, so the main thing that we do right now is camps. And right now we're starting an additional project that we have not announced yet, which I'm really excited for. Um, but as for the camps, something that I'm like really proud of that we've been able to do is bring, bringing together people from like a lot of different regions. I typically see like people joining from so many different countries and with our most recent one we had people joining from like 22 countries across five continents and it's always like um, it makes me so happy to see that so many people are excited about joining this even if it's like at 1 or 2 a.m their time um, because it definitely is like a huge time commitment to spend like nine hours attending our camp and so it makes me really happy that people show up and they're really excited and they engage and they ask questions. Awesome. So since, um, and I had to ask you one more thing, how can our listeners get involved with Empower Econ? Because this sounds like such an amazing initiative. Yeah, for sure. So um, people get in, can get involved in many different ways. I think one way that they can get involved if they want to be learners is join our Empower Econ camps. We're planning to host more in the coming months, and that's one way that they can get involved. Um, another way is they can join the Empower Econ team. We have people in different areas, such as event planning, marketing, curriculum design. Um, we have ambassadors and we're always looking for new people who have this passion like we do. And um, you don't have to have experience for any of these areas because you'll be able to gain experience as you join. So if you wanna help make these events happen as well as our other projects, um, you can join Empower Econ and you can find us on Instagram at Empower Econ. Awesome, thanks for that. So. Uh, not to branch out into like nonprofits in general. Um, do you know how high schoolers can get started with nonprofits? Yeah, I think that you need to have an idea for what the problem is and what kind of you're trying to address. Um, and how you're going to do it. I feel like many nonprofits can sometimes do like very similar things. And so I think if there is a nonprofit that's already doing like exactly what you wanna do or something that's similar, it is a really good idea to kind of like join and collaborate with those people because then you'll be able to have like a bigger impact through their already like existing platform. Um, but if you have sure. an idea, 
Yeah, and I think that if you have an idea that's like specifically addressing a problem in a different way, or um, you want to address something that isn't being talked about as much in your community, I think developing that idea and then finding people who believe in that as much as you do and kind of bringing together people who can make that happen and collaborating within that team. And it's definitely like a constant journey of learning. Like when I kind of started this, I had no idea what I was doing and I'm still learning. And I, I think learning as you go all the time and kind of being a student while you're also leading it, I think is really important. Awesome. So it sounds like you have a lot of experience with nonprofits. Do you have any advice for people who are like just getting into the whole world of high school nonprofits? Yeah, I think that one thing that helped me a lot was working for other nonprofits. I worked with Reinvented Magazine during 2020 and I was like a marketing member on the team and I learned a lot um, from like having meetings to designing graphics to managing like projects and fundraisers. So I think that working for nonprofits is definitely like the best experience for leading your own nonprofit because you get to learn about like the ins and outs and how it works and obviously you don't learn everything but once you go into like your own nonprofit you kind of have a starting point about like what you should do so I think that experience for me was really really crucial and um, it helped me a lot and set me up to like do well in Empower Econ. Great so you mentioned that you've worked for so many nonprofits and now that you have your own so how do you manage time between school and extracurriculars and Empower Econ? I think that's a great question and that's something I'm still learning to do. It's not something I'm great at yet, but I think for me, like planning my days is really helpful. I try to do it like the night before, because um, if I kind of just like show up the next day, I kind of have no idea what I'm doing and I'm trying to like figure out, should I do this now or should I do that? And I end up trying to decide so much that I get like decision fatigue. So I think creating that schedule every day and then like setting goals for what you want to accomplish in the next week and then the next 24 hours that you're really like focused on what can I do right now um, as opposed to only thinking about like the long-term goals because that kind of like mobilizes you to do that well like on a daily basis so I think like setting goals is really important and creating schedules and to-do lists with like results that you want so not just saying like I want to do this but like what is the result going to be like for instance I want to have a PowerPoint done instead of just like saying, I want to work on Empower Econ. So I know that when I'm working on Empower Econ, um, my job is to finish a PowerPoint by the time I'm done. So I kind of have a direction for what I'm doing. Awesome. That is some really, really good advice. Uh, and what are some tools that you use for time management? I think for me, it's, this is a really popular one that people always talk about. Um, and it's just like a calendar. I use my Apple calendar and that's where I put everything because it always reminds me and sends notifications. And then I also use um, a journal. So I have like, there is this high performance coach called Brendan Burchard and I use his high performance planner, which is like excellent for time management because it has a lot of different like thought provoking questions and like how you want to start your day. And it helps me like set an intention and it helps me manage my time better. So I would say calendar and planner. Awesome. Right. So since we're kind of wrapping up, do you have a piece of advice for a high school freshman? Yeah, sure. So I think that like the biggest piece of advice I would give is just like try out a ton of different things and kind of find out what you're interested in and then use your time to do meaningful things. Because I think like high school is such an important, like it's just such a great time in your life because you don't have many obligations other than school. Um, like you don't really have to like, um, in many cases, at least you don't have to like work to earn an income to support a family. Um, while many people do, um, the majority of people do not. And so I think using that opportunity to experiment with what you like and creating things that you're excited about, because you may not get to do that as much when you go to college and afterwards. So I think just kind of using your time to do things you're excited about and also trying a lot of different things to kind of find your niche. 
Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. So that sort of wraps up our podcast for today. Thank you so much for coming on Shaken's team, Amita. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I loved speaking on this podcast. Yeah, so that's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.